0: Ah, the smell of perfect pizza, the carpet of wet leaves on the sidewalk, ambulances and traffic running 24 seven, intimidatingly fashionable outerwear. New York City is one of my favorite cities in the world and there's no better time to be there than the fall. I mean, have you seen When Harry Met Sally? Come on. And how much more beautiful will all of our cities be when they're perfected in the love and the grace of God? But how shall they know about his grace unless someone tells them? What better place, what better time to come and refresh yourself on the art and craft of preaching than New York in November? Register now for Preaching in a Post-Christian Age. This is a three-day Living Church conference in the heart of Manhattan where you can enjoy world-class keynotes, conversations with experts, warm fellowship with other Christian leaders, and hone your skills as a preacher of God's word. And we might have dinner at a speakeasy, just saying. Tickets start at just 50 bucks. Find more information at livingchurch.org forward slash events or click the link in the show notes today.
1: Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover. Pull up a chair and let's dig in.
2: Jake, I'd like to I'd like to begin this episode with a personal question. What is your favorite Halloween candy when you go trick or treating? Oh, you that's feel like a good you question. Won the jackpot.
3: You tell me yours and I'll tell you mine. All right, I'll go first. The king size Snickers. Snickers Ooh, is my that's favorite candy
2: one. bar. And, you know, if you're, if you, you know, the mini ones, the fun size, oh, that's fine, I'll take it. But, you know, do you really love me? Then give me the king size. My favorite mm. candy bar of all time is Take Five, but nobody ever has that for Halloween. It's like,
3: mm. I don't
2: know, still hasn't caught on.
3: Mm. I'll tell you what the, well, okay, you go. What's your fave? Uh, my still favorite thinking? Halloween candy yeah. is uh, definitely malt balls. Like uh, whoppers, whoppers. I used yeah. to
2: love whoppers, and then they kind of—I don't know—they turned on me. I just, but I used to eat those things like, so much. Uh, okay, worst. What's the worst thing you can get in your candy bag for Halloween?
3: Mm. I would say anything black, like black licorice. <laughs> I put Tootsie rolls. I'm an American. In that Count me out. Yeah. Uh, now tootsie trying. rolls aren't bad, but uh, uh, you know like those are standard. That me. just means they don't love you. They didn't really okay. care. They're well, indifferent. But black licorice, in. yeah. black licorice says something. Black licorice says <laughs> something. I don't like around. you. Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. Black licorice <laughs> says we just we celebrate harvest festivals in this house. <laughs> it's it's the coal in the stocking for Halloween. Yeah. Okay,
2: so the reason we're talking about this is because we're preparing for Sunday, November fifth, which is the first Sunday um, uh, that we'll be preaching in November. You could do the readings for the twenty third Sunday after Pentecost, but the vast majority of y'all, including the people on this podcast, will be doing the readings for All Saints, which is obviously November first. So, November first. So. Uh, We're just going to do that. If you want to look at the readings for the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, um, it's just going to be you and the Holy Spirit. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Good luck. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to give a shout out to the clergy of the Episcopal Diocese of Texas who just finished their clergy conference. I just uh, came back uh, from that today and it was a great time of fellowship. And I thank you to the folks who said, hey, we listen to your podcast. It's really great. Um, Hmm. uh, And they also said, what is Jake's problem? And I just said, how much time do you have? Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> no. all right let's dig in we got revelation 7 verses 9 through 17 where john looks and sees a whole bunch of people uh then we will turn to first john chapter 3 uh a mercifully short and mercifully beautiful and powerful reading and then matthew 5 1 through 12 from jesus's sermon on the mount and where he uh, gives the beatitudes the, the beginning mm. of that that famous uh, stump speech of Jesus. All right, so Good. All Saints well, what you, Day. Jake, yeah, could you just tell us about it? Tell us kick about Kick us it. off. Kick us off. Tell, tell us, give this to All Saints kind of 101. What's the, the, the
3: Wikipedia entry? Well, I'm not looking at it. So, but, uh, you know, basically it is one of the original feast days in uh, the church year. And um, it, uh, it goes back to. Uh, shortly after the Diocletian persecutions. And what had happened was, is that, um, you know, typically people remembered those who had died in their particular region and everybody had a particular person that they really favored. And so that was the patron saint of the area. However, after the Diocletian persecutions and... um, uh, there were just so many uh, the, of those who had died and so it became a wonderful opportunity to remember um, all the saints and so um, and so that's really where it gets its kickoff. And so to remember that there is the church militant that's here on earth as it strives towards uh, strives towards the prize and uh, there is also the church triumphant with whom we join our voices during Holy Communion. Who's this Dalmatian you keep talking about? What's that?
2: The Dalmatian Diocletian. I'm Emperor Diocletian. Just your chain. Come on, come on. Yeah, then. Emperor Diocletian, who killed a lot of people. All right. So we will, um, yeah, so we're going to be using those themes as we look at the readings, be looking for that, kind of, you know, the communion of saints, like all the, the, the people that together we form the body of Christ, both those that are here on earth um, with us, like Jake and me, and then all, the, all those folks who um, have already gone on into the nearer mm. presence of our Lord. Mm. Who, um, uh, sees him now face to face. So those ideas: death, life, uh, the things we can see, the things we can't see, the example of the saints. Um, this is where you will sing, hopefully, for all the saints. And then there's that hymn, which I don't know if you sing at Calvary Saint George's. I have, I like it, but I also don't like it. The one was a doctor, and one was a blah blah blah. Oh yeah, I hate that. Torn by, yeah. by torn by wild beasts. Anyways, so. This first reading, Revelation said, but no matter what, preach the gospel because that's what it's all about. Whether you're a saint on earth or a saint in heaven, um, we are all in Christ because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. So, um, meditations on the brevity of life and the reality of death are all important and, and connection to those who've gone before, really important, but also make sure that the gospel is in there too. So, Revelation 7, 9 through 17, uh, John uh, of Patmos is looking and seeing the great multitude And this is really supposed to give you the visual picture of all those saints who have gone on before, Mm -hmm. um, uh, those whom we love, but see no longer. And he sees a multitude that is so big that he can't count it. And there's a couple of things that are important about this. It's from all tribes and peoples and languages. So, um, heaven, this vision of, of heaven is full of all the different kinds of people on the earth. And, uh, there's a lot of things you can talk about. You can talk about what they say, um, salvation belongs to our God. It's a wonderful statement about God as the one who does the saving. We often think of saints as those who kind of are good people and for their good efforts, they are rewarded or something like that. Um, but they say salvation belongs to our God. Um, there, there's a lot of revelation stuff you can get in there, living creatures and stuff like that. But um, I think I would try to focus on um, the fact that these folks who are full of joy and worshiping God um their focus is on god and not themselves and i would say that is that is one thing that is um to be characteristic of a saint a person who is beloved and rests in god is that they're no longer caught up in their own ego um they are they are now um, sort of mercifully finally outside of their own
3: heads so those are some of the things what would you add to that jacobus <clears throat> Well, there's a lot to, to talk about here, and uh, first of all, this is an image that John sees of, um, of like, on one level, kind of right now, you know what I mean? The church triumphant, and what what everything will look like towards the end of the age, and what does he see? Well, he doesn't just see, like, a well-meaning, you know, pious people around the throne of God. He sees everybody. Uh, people like you can't even count this, and they're like, and for, from every tribe, nation, people on earth, no one is left out. This is a this is completely an inclusive vision of uh, of what heaven looks like. No one is left out, and they're all standing before the throne, and they're robed in white, which means that they are uh, clothed in a righteousness apart from themselves shouting with a victory, basically. And it is not, hey, we did our part and God did his. But the second thing is, is that really salvation belongs to our God who's seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And can you believe that? I mean, the symbol of heaven is not, uh, you know, it's not power and might even once there in the midst of victory, but as a Lamb. And, uh, and so that even in that, the strength of God is demonstrated in his weakness and I love this. Uh, it says, well, so who are they who've come out of the great ordeal? And, uh, you know, and when we think of the great ordeal, uh, this is actually I mean, I think what you talk about so beautifully oftentimes is uh, the great ordeal is life. You know, the great ordeal isn't just simply, you know, um, you know, what's going on in Gaza and Israel. The great ordeal isn't something that's just simply going on in, uh, in the Ukraine and Russia. The great ordeal is life. It's life. And uh, these people have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And it's very interesting because... um They've been accepted and they've been brought into God through uh, the trials and tribulations. So whatever trial and tribulation you happen to be facing, you can know uh, that your robes have been washed white in the blood of the lamb. And I never really understood like this illustration until um, one of our professors, Leander Harding, who's currently the dean of the cathedral at All Saints in Albany. He was a shepherd before he was a, uh, a priest. And he told me one time that when... Um, uh, uh, when baby you when yous are abandoned or the mother dies, like the new mother won't another mother just won't take the baby you. What they have to do is they have to nick um, on the other mother and smear the blood of that mother onto that baby you in order they have to wash it essentially in the blood of that lamb mm-hmm. in order for it to be accepted and brought in and seen as one of one of the new mother's owns. And this is exactly uh, what is happening. And these people from every tribe, nation, tongue, this is a vision that Isaiah saw of all of the nations coming and worshiping, worshiping this great king. Uh, and he has delivered them from uh, the great ordeal. And uh, the same is true for you. And there's, then there's just this like perfect image of what the age to come will look like. It's a place I mean, in this ordeal, we're always crying. I mean, I've got the kink in my neck from hell right now. It is an ordeal. I don't have to be in, you know, anywhere else than to be in this ordeal. And, uh, and uh, there he is. But there is coming a time when all of that will be cast away. And the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of water of life. And whatever you're going through, the promise of the gospel is, is that Jesus, uh, well, you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, and he's going to wipe away every tear from your eye. Amen. Um, I think, you know, the, there's—I uh, I love um,
2: this picture of, um, of just relief and rest. Like, yeah. Yeah you know the, the yeah the ordeal you talk about i mean i remember when i was a a baby rector 10 years ago and i thought i'd reach some point you know we'll we'll grow the church it'll be great and and at some point it'll be easy and uh and i love my job but it is and it's it's many things but it is not um not easy it's fun it's rewarding it's joyful, But and you know i think you know when you get married you think this is gonna be great finally like uh, i can don't don't have to be dating anymore all that stuff or have kids and like oh this completes the picture like you always sort of think you're there at that place where you will have arrived and things will kind of be easy and um, but uh, life is an ordeal. Uh, the, the pain of this human life is um, uh, Professor Neff at UT calls yeah. it. And so, but here there's this beautiful picture of the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them uh, mm. and it, it, which is kind of a miraculous thing. Like the one who's like the one who's how, how does that work? The one who's seated on the throne will shelter all the people around. It's, it's not really made clear, but it does say that, you know, you will have this shepherd who will, who will watch over you and take care of you and, um, and you're washed um you you can definitely tie this also to the passage in matthew which your congregations would have heard uh three or four weeks earlier about the wedding feast and the robe the wedding garment that you're wearing um here's a picture of that and these folks um are, are made clean and these garments
3: have been given to them so that's the revelation reading it's great uh, yeah beautiful stuff can- and yeah go ahead Oh no! And then we come to this interesting passage uh, from First John chapter three, which can be a little confusing.
2: For you, maybe. Yeah,
3: but why don't you explain it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so
2: see what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. This is where the world does not know us because they don't know Him. We are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this: when He's revealed, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. Uh, all who have this hope purify in him, purify themselves just as he is pure. So it's, it's three verses. This is really, really short. And it's talking about, um, eschatological stuff, meaning end time stuff that when Jesus is revealed, um, that's what it's looking forward to. We will be like him, although we don't yet know exactly what that is. So it's very much trying to look at this question of, of how do we live? now in light of what christ has done for us and will do for us it's all grounded in this great love Um, we are children of god um, and this is a gift for us Um, this is i mean there's a sense in which we're all children of god because we're created by god and in god's image and and i get that but this is making it something more intimate more familial more special uh, close we are related to god um and um and because of this because of this, this love we have, this adoption we have, because of this, um, uh, we can rest in that. Um, we look forward to that and then we, we purify him ourselves just as he is pure. And this can have this sort of image of like, uh, I don't know, people think of that and they think about like, you know, getting their life together, getting all the bad stuff out of their life. And that is, it's wonderful to to sort of get toxic things out of your life or things that diminish you or diminish others and hurt you and hurt others out of your life. That is great. But um, there's there's sort of a bigger way to think about it. I think it's sort of a an emptying of oneself as Christ emptied himself. Um, as, and as we see the saints in the Revelation passages, these are folks who are—they're no longer wrapped up in their own heads and their own anxiety. Like this is what this is. If, if you think about your life and being impure, it's not because you—you know—you looked too long at the barista, or you've been thinking about that guy you dated in high school, or whatever it is. Like, I mean, there could be an element of that that is encapsulated in this, but basically what humans need to be purified is the sort of constant self obsession and anxiety that we're always living under and to be moved into a place like Jesus is pure. Why was he pure? Because he knew who he was and he was loved and he rested in that. And that's why he, he wasn't tempted by the offers of power that were given him. He didn't fall for people's flattery. He didn't, uh, he just – he was someone who knew who he was and he knew he was loved as he heard from the beginning of his ministry. Yeah. And so he can do all beautiful. those things. So this is like – we hear purify in these very kind of puritanical, moralistic, often sexually yeah. – uh connotation things and that's not what is really here this is purifying yourself of the of the the worldly stuff that swims in your head and getting to a place where you can uh be focused on god because he loves you and you're his child and resting in that that's what that's what purity looks like
3: this this uh yeah absolutely this is um goes back to kind of like what i talked about last week um Sorry about that. I'm moving. I've got this kink in my neck. So the yeah, chair is you guys, rocking. Jake, uh, I want our listeners to know Jake <laughs> is recording this in extreme duress. It's like someone has, uh,
2: I don't know. He's he, like the, the look on his face is, is not a happy one. He's, so anyway, he's, but he's, uh, how much he loves
3: you. Same there's an ordeal listeners. going on right here. But, uh, the, um, but the, this is the powerful part is that, um, is that, uh, um, is that it goes back to what I was talking about last week? Are we living to make a difference? Cause if that's the case, then we failed, um, and you can purify yourself all you want, and it's not going to come to come to fruition. Um, or are you living in the difference that has already been made, and that is the key to understanding and unlocking this text? The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. But beloved, we are God's children. When not when we finally purify ourselves but now. Uh, and what will be has not yet been revealed. This uh, lines right up with St. Paul that our lives are hidden in Christ Jesus. So, of course, it doesn't look like you're a child of God sometimes. Like, you know, right now, I'm just like, Lord, where are you? And mm-hmm. uh, um, But the truth is, is that you are a child of God now. And this becomes the enabling agent to live your life in a different way, mm-hmm. um, not the way the world would say it, because the world doesn't know him. And because uh, you're living differently, which was the case for many of John's disciples, well, uh, the world doesn't know you either. Uh, but we do this because uh, the love has already been given. The rose has already been awarded. You know what I mean? And um, On the bachelor. So, Aww, so we rest witch. and hope. Yep, I choose, mm-hmm. I choose and we're order. in the golden one. Ralph Wiggum on The Simpsons,
2: the the son of the police chief, gave gave Lisa Simpson a Valentine's Day card that had a picture of a train on it and said, I I choo-choo-choose you. you. And he said to her when he gave it to it. It has a picture of a train on it and it says, I choo-choo-choose you.
0: Because nothing makes a joke funnier
2: than explaining the joke. All right. Ralph William chooses Lisa, and God chooses us, and we can rest in that. Um,
3: Absolutely. And then, so this begins to make all sorts of sense, the uh, the uh, Beatitudes. And when you begin to realize that, um, that um, well, God has chosen you, then you realize that the Beatitudes aren't about our attitudes at all. <laughs> they are uh, blessings. They're descriptions of who you oftentimes are already in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, um,
2: there is a tendency to take the Sermon on the Mount as a list of things for us to do or things to be, um, there's not the
3: conjunction if anywhere in there,
2: right? Like if you do this, that like, yeah. So I think, um, as you, as you look at this, really, it's one of those passages so familiar that it's easy to kind of just assume your brain kind of goes like, I know what this means falling away. Like, okay, moving on. Um, But what this is saying, um, and at first it may be like, why is this in there for all saints? It's like, should there be some passage from Jesus about the end times or whatever? Um, But he's talking about the Christian life. He's talking about the the way God works in all human lives. Um, And it's saying that in the dark and difficult places, the ordeal we've been talking about, Mm -hmm. that's where... Um, God works, um, not with those who are, who've just eaten three cheese stuffed crust pizzas from pizza hut, um, or, and those who have just gotten a big bonus check or those who, um, you know, everything's coming up roses for them. God is with those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who hunger and thirst. Um, all those sorts of things, this is where God works in life. And so he's saying, um, and I think that's one of those things for all saints. Like it, it definitely ha- has in mind, like um, because it's about, you know, came out of that persecution of saints and, and all these martyrs. Um, it's, it's about the, the challenge of the Christian life, the ordeal of the Christian life. And even in that finding God's love, grace, and mercy for you in the midst of it, and even working through it. Um, now the key line here is kind of blessed are those who persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that's like just textbook, what we're sort of supposed to be thinking about for all saints, these people who, who are willing to give it all, um, uh, I think for how this connects to people in the congregation, it's um, it's asking a question sort of what would make someone be able to live a life like that where they were able to rejoice and be glad when they're persecuted. I mean that's crazy. Persecuted, mm-hmm. if you persecute me, I'm supposed to strike back and punch you in the teeth and sue
3: you or whatever it is. Go to the mattresses. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, where's the new uh, car in this, Jesus? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, I think Jesus, about the, uh, where is my influencer status? Right, you know, and that's, that's that's not what this is about. But I think so. What would
2: make people want to live this way? Well, you know, coming back to First John three, see what love the Father has given us. Mm. See if you can, mm. if if you are loved so much that you um, begin to no longer be a person who's anxious all the time. If yeah. you're so rooted and established in the living God who gave Himself for you and who loves you. And is working in your life even now that's what begins to point you in this direction so um so you know for all saints sunday you want to sum up what it is talk about some of the big themes but like i said at the beginning like you want to make sure you connect this to the gospel Um, and and i would say avoid the trap of of saying like these are some saints and some things they did so let's look at these people as examples even though i mean sure look at them as examples but don't make them moralistic instruction examples. Make them examples of people who also suffered, who were also sinners, who also had dark nights of the soul and who had nights they couldn't sleep and wondered if this was all worth it. They, they all did that. Every saint you know, has, has you read their journals. I mean, Henry Nouwen is sort of a modern-day saint. Like, his journal is full of anxiety wrestling. Yeah. Mother so Teresa. They, yeah, absolutely. So these, what they're examples for are people who, like us, are suffering in this ordeal and, like us, are loved. And they cling to Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. And Je- more importantly than that, Jesus holds on to them. So make sure um, that that message comes through.
3: Yeah. Um, this this uh, particular uh, translation of Matthew is missing an important beatitude, um, if you look closely. It's blessed are the flexible, for they won't be broken. And so. That's right. My, my uh, <laughs> building committee chair says, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. Yeah. So, but uh, the truth of the matter is, is that, uh, I mean, these beatitudes, I mean, when they really come your way, uh, our instinct um, is to resist it, you know, yeah. and uh, this is when you preach this particular text. It's important to drive home the fact that Christ is the personification of these Beatitudes perfectly. Amen. The rich, he became poor. He's the one who mourned over sin, our rejection, our death. Jesus is the one who truly hungers and thirsts for righteousness in order to reconcile us back to God. Jesus is the only one who's truly merciful to his enemies and is a peacemaker laying his life down to make peace by his blood. He's persecuted. He's reviled the crucified one so that we might stand justified and righteous before God. And Mm. that's what it is, truly blessed. And so, you know, I think in order to get the Beatitudes right when you're preaching, you have to have the gospel right, right from the beginning. And you're right. It's not a bunch of moralistic lessons, but it's to remember that Jesus does the Beatitudes to his own death. And that ultimately you and I, and hopefully you'll have a few baptisms, but baptized and believing in him, uh, these beatitudes become yours as well. And so no matter what life throws at you, whatever great ordeal you happen to be in, um, as the church here on earth in Jesus, you are blessed to the fullest of extent. And so, um, you know, and so that when you do go through that, you can cling and remember that you are already a child now. You already are blessed now. And uh, that's the good news and the hope of the gospel from the Beatitudes. Yeah, so blessed are those whose neck
2: is just killing them. So uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll pray for you, Jake. Uh, Thank but, you. Yeah, add me yeah. to your prayer list everywhere. Yeah, So we'll keep praying for you, Jake, and we'll keep praying for you, our listeners. We do pray for you and um, as you preach or as you're just someone who is in the pew. We hope this is a blessing to you. And um, we'll see you next week as we head closer to November. And if you haven't gotten it yet, get your turkey.
3: Amen, in Jesus name.
1: Somebody's looking, somebody cares, somebody wonders what you doin' today. You know it crucified him, buried him, but 3 days later, well the stone got rolled away. Yes, Thanks for listening to the same old song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, Leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production, and remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.